0: Do I lift up my soul?
1: social following Sunday night service and we need more volunteers to make ice cream and what else do we need brother Jim need some cookies too so anyone that's willing to help out with that uh, please do so and uh, let's begin tonight with our prayer list who do we have this week Early Stacy family, <laughs> Ruth Staley, Sue so James. Sue, you said Sue, right? Sue, Sue James Jody Smith's dad is sick. <clears throat> young girl. I want y'all to keep in your prayers and talk with some of y'all about this uh, situation. I'm sure Kim and Jonathan are familiar with it. We have a young exchange student. She just turned 17 from uh, Ukraine at Sotula. Uh, She has had an unbelievably hard second semester. Early on when the war started, she went over a week without being able to contact her parents. She didn't know if well, I mean, she didn't know, right? And a few weeks ago, uh, she came into the office, and she is a tough kid. Uh, she She's made of a lot, but she was in tears on this particular morning. Uh, her high school had been bombed. It was completely destroyed. Uh, she was pretty sure at that time she had lost some of her friends and classmates, and she had heard you can imagine what she had heard, and uh, we need to keep her and her family and just that whole situation in our prayers. We, we're safe over here, and we need to remember, remember that situation, and her in particular. Yes, her parents are okay, they they relocated to a different part of the country, uh, and for a time it was, Tristan's probably going to know more about this than I do, but I think they got to the western section of the country over near Poland, uh, but where they relocated there there's some fighting going on there now as well, so. Anyone else? All right, if y'all will bow with me, we'll start with the word of prayer. Dear God, we thank you so much that we get to come together on a Wednesday night as a body of believers and study your word. Tonight, God, we do have a list of names that we want to lift up to you. Uh, Please remember the Shirley Stacy family. Ruth Staley, Sue James. Please be with uh, Jody Smith's dad. Please be with Christina and her situation in the nation of Ukraine and just help those people. God, we ask that you be with us here and help us do everything we can to serve you each day. And we just pray that you're with us the next several minutes as we open up your word and study it. We pray that everything we talk about builds us up and helps us better follow you forgive us for where we failed you in Jesus name amen uh, tonight our lesson it, it really stemmed from something Doug did a few weeks ago and I and I asked Doug Sunday night well when I found out he needed me to teach I said is there anything in particular you want me to talk about and he said no just whatever you want to and uh, but I remember the lesson he taught from. It's probably over a month ago, but he talked about envy. Were any of y'all in here tonight that he talked about envy? Did a good. He did a good lesson on envy. Uh, it was inform. It was very informative, and it got me thinking. And that, that's I enjoy that when that happens in a Bible class. I thought of ways that I need to improve my spiritual life and help other people do the same. And obviously, that should be one of our main goals, right? When we come together as a Bible teacher in a Bible class, we want to go out and improve our spiritual lives. I thought, thanks to Doug, and it made me think what a huge problem envy really is in the world and how often it's talked about in the Bible. we don't talk about its harmful effects a lot. And that got me thinking about another topic. Uh, And that's the topic we're going to talk about tonight. Tonight we're going to talk about pride. Uh, I thought, you know, pride is a big problem. Pride is kind of the elephant in the room in our world today. But we don't talk about it a lot. And when I say we, understand I'm talking about me. I've taught for nearly 15 years, classes in the Little Chapel and here in the Annex. I've never touched on the topic of pride. Why do you think that is? Why is it not something we hit on a lot? Y'all help me out. Anything, just go. All right. You're going to do a lot of self-reflection if you do it. Thanks, Chris. I think that's a fact, Chris. Thank you. Is it a biblical topic? It mentions envy, and that's what led me to. Uh huh. <clears throat> it's a tough topic. It, it took me, I'm glad I knew Sunday night that I was going to be teaching it tonight. I don't think it's... I needed I needed a few days to get my thoughts together. I'm not promising you this is going to be any good at all, but I did, did think about it a lot and, and looked at a lot of Scripture. I think one reason it's a tough topic is it means different things at different times, doesn't it? Is pride always bad? No. No. We use it in the positive a lot. You look at any school, any sports team, it's going to say Tiger pride, Eagle pride. We take pride in things. Is that bad? Oh, let's look at it. Here. All right, the definition, if you look up the definition, I'm going to move forward. Pride is defined as a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements. The achievements of those with whom one is closely associated or from qualities or possessions that are widely admired. That doesn't sound bad at all. Uh, This Monday night, this past Monday night, I was able to get home in time to get to a Milius art show at Boonville High School. And uh, there was a representative there from Congressman Trent Kelly's office and he presented Amelia, or she did, with a Congressional Commendation Award for her work with the Boonville Art Program because she had a student this spring that won uh, the Congressional District Art Competition for their artwork. That artwork will hang in the U.S. Capitol for a calendar year. And that's the sixth time she's had a student do that. I was overflowing with pride that that was my wife, Miss Marilyn. That ain't bad, is it? I don't think that's bad. Um, We take pride in our jobs. We take pride in our sports teams. Um, I was talking to Brother Luther Mormon here before we started. Claire got to go on a field trip to his place this past week. And she wouldn't shut up all night about it, would she, Amelia, about how perfect everything, over 400 birds, you ought to see them, and she talked about this and that. I'm sure you take pride in your place. You do. And you should. So this type of pride, let me silence this, I'm sorry. Celtics are in game five, speaking of pride, and I'm sure that was an alert. Jerry, Jerry knows what I'm talking about. The type of pride we're talking about is not only good for you, it's necessary for our own self-worth and place in society. So why in the world do we need a lesson on pride if it's good and necessary? Help me out. We've talked about how good pride is. Mm-hmm. I think you're correct, and I think there's another reason we've got to talk about it, and that's what we're going to concentrate on tonight. We have to understand, church, pride has a dark side, and that's what we're looking at tonight. Don't be stealing all my verses. What you got? very first one, And so I'll just skip that when I get to it. So if we were to say someone is prideful, you see we've changed the definition a little bit. The definition for prideful is thinking too highly of oneself, being conceited, being arrogant, overconfident, you know a prideful person because if you've ever been in an argument with them, they're never wrong. And even if you prove them wrong with overwhelming facts, they will not admit it. Y'all don't know anybody like it, do you? <laughs> What's wrong with somebody possessing the traits of conceitedness, arrogance, overconfidence? Why are these things bad? We know why they're bad. My real question is, can a God-fearing Christian possess those traits? I agree with you. No, I think the answer to that is no. A God-fearing Christian cannot be arrogant, conceited, and overconfident because God tells us in very plain language what God thinks of those traits. In Proverbs 11 verse 2. When pride comes. Then comes disgrace. But with humility. Comes wisdom. In Proverbs 16 and verse 5. It says the Lord detests. All the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. And in Proverbs sixteen eighteen we see this verse a lot, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs twenty nine twenty three said a person's pride will humble him, but a humble spirit will gain honor. Isaiah two verse eleven says human pride will be humbled and the loftiness of men will be brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted on that day. In Amos, chapter 6, verse 8, it says, The Lord has sworn by himself, this is the declaration of Yahweh, the God of hosts. I loathe Jacob's pride and hate his citadels, so I will hand over the city and everything in it. I have a whole another page of list of pride verses in the New Testament, but I want to keep going, skip ahead so we can get to other things. God doesn't like prideful hearts. What is it about this prideful nature do you think that God dislikes so much? Now, this is just an opinion question. Why would God not like that? I think you nailed it right there. Why? Oh, I hadn't even thought of that one, Jerry. That's good. If you're not prideful, you lack, I mean, if you're prideful, you're going to lack gratitude, right? Because you think you're doing it all on your own. <clears throat> We're definitely going to get to that one. That's real good, Miss Sue. <laughs> That's kind of the definition of prideful, right? <clears throat> Why? Because everybody's right. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all both grow the biggest you can and bring them here and we'll help you eat them. Y'all know, and I, I... There's a whole bunch of things I don't know. And I I tell students I teach and I tell my kids at home my three favorite words are I I don't know. But I try each day to learn a little more today than I knew yesterday. But this is a fact, what I'm about to tell you. I've learned this in 42 years. Take it to the bank, the Bible says it. No one gets away with anything ever. That's a fact. No one has the ability to warp reality. Lies beget lies, and eventually you'll be found out. You see, and prideful people ignore this reality, To the points you two made, because a prideful nature is a controlling nature. And what I mean by that is Prideful people seem to really believe that they are in charge of what happens. And if everyone would just listen to them, things would go the way they want it to go. Prideful people assume they can manipulate any situation to fit their needs. Now, a humble Christian is well aware that God is in control. And we know we have to submit to God's will and trust in Him and not our own understanding. Uh, I recently, well, I say recently, it was probably over Christmas, but if you read books, some you read and five minutes later you forget, and some you read, you keep going back to and rereading and highlighting. And one I read was by, recently read was by Jordan Peterson called The Twelve Rules of Life. And like any book that's written, You know, it's a secular book. You take what you can use and you throw away what you don't. But it's a very interesting book. He's a pretty deep intellectual thinker. And uh, he said two things in it that I thought, man, that makes a whole lot of sense. And they're simple things, but he said this. He said, there's two types of very dangerous people in this world. And I agree with him on this, and I'd never thought of it. He said, those people who think what they know is all that needs to be known are especially dangerous. What does that mean? Pretty simple statement, but we have a lot to learn. When you think of all the topics that are out there in the world, like, Jonathan there is a nuclear pharmacist. I wouldn't even begin to know where to start what he does. I don't get into discussions about climate change because I don't have a clue about what's going on in the atmosphere. I don't know. It's not that I don't want to know. I don't have the intelligence or I haven't put in the study to know. There's a lot we don't know. We have to acknowledge that we don't know some things. That's why we study, right? And the second thing that he said, he said that people who are into debate with the main purpose main purposes of being right and making sure that the other people are wrong is a very dangerous way to go about things and I thought well isn't that the whole point of a debate to make sure you're right and they're wrong but he used this example he used an example of a husband and a wife and he said if a husband and a wife go into an argument, and the husband's whole goal into that argument is to win the argument and be right and prove the wife wrong. He may win a whole lot of arguments, but he's going to lose a marriage. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? You see, prideful people can't negotiate. They can't give and take. Why? Arrogance. Overconfidence, all those traits we talked about. That's how why I talked about that and where it fits in. If you think all you need to know, all I mean, if you think all if you think all you know is all you need to know, you're overconfident and you're conceited. If you feel the need to always be right, you're insecure and you're arrogant. Uh, but none of us need to read multiple language to understand what Proverbs eleven two, which we've already read makes very clear when pride comes then comes disgrace but with humility comes wisdom so our mindset and attitude we we can choose we have two choices we can be disgraced or we can choose a path of wisdom Uh, we can choose pridefulness or humility but we can't have both Uh, and with what we the time we have left I want to look at a few things and a few more verses But when you look at pride, we've defined it one way, but another way is it's an overly high sense of one's own value. Where humble, which we haven't defined, it means to lower one's condition of importance or dignity. It means to destroy the independence or power or to make one meek. You see, the path of humility leads to wisdom, that honors God. If you have your Bibles, we're back in Proverbs, but in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, pride goes before destruction, the haughty spirit before a fall. In Proverbs 29, verse 23, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. Both Of those verses tell us pride leads us on a path of destruction and the reality is real simple pride destroys in the context we're talking about it tonight it destroys because pride is sin and what does sin do it separates you from God and sin always destroys it takes a little piece of you Pride causes us to think and act like we know better than God. You know, we can never know more than God because he knows all things. God sees everything. He created everything and everything belongs to him. The very breath in our lungs is from God. The difference in a prideful person and a humble Christian is if you are a humble Christian, you know by this point that we need God for everything. We need to trust and believe God is who he says he is and will do all that he says he will do for what is written in his word. If we ever start to think we're smart enough to do things without his help, and this is putting it blunt, but if we go outside and we think we can act on our own without God's help, without prayer and study and putting our trust in God, we're telling God, well, I am God. That's ultimately what we're saying. And that was to your point a while ago. That's a very prideful and dangerous place to be. Uh, you know, the Bible tells us about Satan. He was kicked out of heaven because of his pride, right? How does it, how's it put that? He was an angel created by God, but he said in his heart, what do you say? I will make make myself like the Most High God. Didn't work out for him, did it? God cast Satan out, thrown into a lake of fire, and ultimately, of course, we know where his destination will be. Now, the big text we're going to read tonight, because I think when I was studying this, I think the best example, and there's multiple examples, and you may think there's a better example, but the best I think we have in the Bible of demonstration of God just showing a very powerful, prideful person what you really are is the example in Daniel chapter 4. So if you have your Bibles, flip to Daniel chapter 4, and we're going to examine most of this chapter. Y'all know the background. Nebuchadnezzar, he's written in all our textbooks. If you teach, uh, I shouldn't say that, it used to be sixth grade history, you're going to have a whole chapter on Nebuchadnezzar. He was a big deal. He was a very powerful king. One night he had a dream and it made him scared. He didn't know what to do. He told all his advisors, they didn't know what to do, but they told him about a man named Daniel. Daniel was a wise man. He knew God's word and not only did he know it, he put it into practice. He lived life like God wanted men of God to live. So when none of Nebuchadnezzar's wise men could interpret his frightening dream... He went to Daniel for help. So I'm going to begin reading. Nebuchadnezzar told Daniel what he saw in his dream. He said, I saw a tree in the middle of the earth, and it was very tall. The tree grew and became very strong. The leaves were beautiful, and there was so much fruit on the tree that it had enough food for everyone. The animals could rest in the shade of the tree and the birds and the branches. As I looked at this tree, an angel came down from heaven, and it said in a loud voice, Chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves, and scatter its fruit. Let the animals run and the birds fly away. Leave the stump of the tree in the ground and put a bronze band around it. Let him live with the beasts that eat from the grass of the earth. Change his mind from the mind of man to the mind of a beast for seven years. This is going to happen so that the living will know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and sets over the lowliest of men. Daniel explained the dream and told Nebuchadnezzar that the tree represented him. He had become a very powerful king and his greatness was widely known. God had given Nebuchadnezzar this dream because he would be driven from living among people and will live among people animals in the field. He will eat grass like an ox and live in the field for seven years until he knows that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. The stump will remain because once he acknowledges that God rules over all, he will be given his kingdom back. After telling Nebuchadnezzar the dream, Daniel urges him to turn away from his sins. But Nebuchadnezzar didn't listen. One year later, Nebuchadnezzar was walking about on the roof of his palace and he said, Is this, is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in his mouth, a voice from heaven said, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. And immediately all that he had seen in his dream that Daniel interpreted happened. Nebuchadnezzar was no longer living among people but was roaming around the fields like the animals at the exact time that God said it would happen. Seven years, Nebuchadnezzar lifted his eyes to heaven. It was given back the mind of a man and he praised and honored the Most High God. When Nebuchadnezzar gave praise and honor where it rightly belonged to God, his kingdom was returned to him and he began to rule as its king of Babylon again. Nebuchadnezzar's pride brought him disgrace. Just like in Proverbs, we know like the verse said, he lost his kingdom, he roamed around like an animal. But he did show wisdom when he humbled humbled himself and gave praise and honor. Back to God. Look at verse 37, what Nebuchadnezzar says. He says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, for all his works are right, And his ways are just, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Did he know know a little something about that? The sheep comparison is a great comparison, and I guess that's why Jesus, the greatest teacher ever, used it all the time. We're not very smart, and we're often very stubborn, and it takes tremendous prodding in low spots often for us to get where we need to be. Uh, took Nebuchadnezzar seven years of eating grass like an animal when all he had to do was listen to Daniel. And uh, we've got to guard our hearts by trusting God instead of ourselves. We... uh, have to submit ourselves to God and trust in him. You know, people of every generation struggle with this concept of pride. But the comfort I get from that story of Nebuchadnezzar is, you know, the same God uh, of that 3,000 years ago, roughly, the Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon... The same God that was looking down on Nebuchadnezzar is the same one looking down on us today. He doesn't miss anything. He doesn't miss anything. You know, in the New Testament, y'all can flip to Mark chapter 14. And I know this is more of an envy verse than pride, but I think they're linked. In the New Testament, we're going to see Judas' heart full of envy and pride. When we read in the Gospel of Mark, we're going to read about an incident, and I don't—I told Amelia, I was talking about this Monday night, I don't know how I missed this connection, but I think that's why we read the Bible every day, and you see things you didn't see the day before. Obviously, Judas was... Envious or jealous, whichever word's the right word there, of Jesus, and it had been building and building. The more miracles Jesus uh, did, the more attention he got, the more Judas seethed on the inside. Well, we have an incident here that sets Judas over the top. In Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 3. While he was in Bethany at the house of Simon, who had a serious skin disease, as he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of pure and expensive fragrant oil of nard. She broke the jar and poured it on his his head. But some were expressing indignation to one another. Why has this fragrant oil been wasted? For this oil might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they began to scold her. Then Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a noble thing for me. You'll always have the poor with you, and you can do what is good for them whenever you want, but you won't always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body in advance for burial. I assure you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priests to hand him over to them. His heart was fully hardened at that point, and he decided, okay, this is my moment. I'm turning him in. Judas allowed his heart to become stone, it became full of pride and envy. But we got to guard against the same stuff. A hard heart is a serious problem in our world today. It's all over the news. You can't miss it now. But think how hard your heart, how hard your heart has to become to convince yourself it's okay to murder a child in the womb. That's a hard heart. We deal with this a lot at schools, uh, unfortunately, and I know it's it's a terrible situation, but think how hard a heart you have to have as an adult to sell drugs to middle school and 12, 13, 14-year-old kids. Think how hard that heart is. <clears throat> We've got to guard our hearts. Uh, one verse that I turn to, and I'm sure you have yours, when I look out at the world and I see the evil... And it feels like it's overwhelming me. I look at Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. It says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. What we can do, there's a whole lot we can't control. And it makes us sad, it makes us frustrated. We want to scream, we want to yell. But each day we can pray and we can trust that God will help us. We can remain humble and we can make it through that day. Doing our best to show others those things that was just listed in that verse. And if we're given another day, we do it again. Pride is sin. Pride causes people to reject Jesus and he's the only way to have her sins forgiven. <clears throat> Pride will cause a lot of people to spend the rest of eternity in a lake of fire. And I got to thinking about this. <clears throat> Amelia and I, I guess we moved back from Jackson. We've been here 15, 16 years. She's been going here her whole life. She just turned 40. I don't know if y'all missed that. Uh... I've seen and I've done it myself multiple times when the invitation is offered, come down the aisle and confess sins. I've heard sins confessed for a lot of reasons. I don't remember and I could have missed it. I don't remember someone confessing the sin of pride. And I think, I know I've been guilty of it uh, many times in my life and I think a lot of people are, and I think Chris made the point at the beginning. we got to look inside sometimes and make sure sure we get that out. But I think class has ended. If y'all will bow with me, the other groups are coming in. We're going to close with a word of prayer. God, we're so thankful tonight that you love us despite all our flaws and faults. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Thank you for all that you do. God, we do ask that you forgive us of all our sins and just help us each day to try to get a little better and do a little more to help others. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Good evening, everybody. It's great to see you. I hope you're having a fantastic week. I want to remind you of a few things. These are things that are in your bulletin, but we wanted to announce these so that there is no doubt that people know about it, okay? One has to do with our Senior Sunday. That's this coming Sunday. All of our high school graduates need to meet in the Little Chapel at 9.15 a.m. with graduation attire. For those of you who don't know, our graduating class includes Ben Barrett, Lewis Holloway, Madison Owens, and Harley Yates. The graduates' tables are gonna be set up in the annex. On Sunday, there is also going to be an ice cream social in honor of the seniors after the evening classes. This is hosted by Salt Team Two. they They'll be responsible for setting it up and cleaning it up. Everyone else is asked to bring ice cream or cookies or both. You know, don't don't limit yourself. If you'd like to be totally involved, uh, please sign the sheet in the annex to help with it if you can. We rejoice in the baptism that took place last week. Coley Floyd became a Christian. JT Beard assisted in the baptism. We have several who have experienced uh, loss. So our sympathy is extended to Bobby Brazzle and the death of his brother, Freddie. Also to Abby George and the death of her uncle, Bill Murphy. To Becky Johnson and the death of her first cousin, Shirley Jensen. And Chuck is with us today. So Chuck, we love you. And our sympathy is extended to you and your family as well. All right. So tonight, uh, Ken Scott is going to lead us in a song. I'll have some devotional thoughts, and Merle Crowe is going to lead us in our closing prayer. I want to remind you, this month has five Sundays in it. The fifth Sunday, May 29th, is going to emphasize our missions. Please think deeply about your commitment to missions, because all the proceeds on that day will go directly to either supporting increasing works that we already do or as you will learn through the course of this month works that we have our eye on that we would love to do if we had the money to do it so please be thinking about what you can do in order to help us with our missions
1: good evening Uh, go ahead mark your hymn books to 939 at the appropriate time just to bear a song of encouragement. And turn to number 716, 716. <coughs> <coughs>
2: Matthew 6, verse 10, in the midst of that beautiful prayer of example that Jesus gave to his disciples, he said this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That middle part right there, your will be done for it to be done here as it is in heaven. You know the descriptions of heaven and God's commands and his will and how that those who are there in his presence with great attention immediately respond. The greatest description of creatures in the universe fall at his feet and do his bidding. But we say, or at least are to replicate that sentiment, your will be done. That's pretty easy, isn't it? When things are comfortable. Yeah, I want the Lord's will to be done when I have a roof over my head and I've got food in the fridge, I've got a good job, but submitting to the will of God, when things go sideways, when the unexpected happens, when we have a temptation to blame God for the circumstance that we are in, can we still pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? I suppose there are some people who hear that notion and think, you know, for you younger ones, that would be important. But, you know, I've grown old in the faith. I've paid my dues. I don't feel the same responsibility. I've done what God wanted me to do. I've done his will as though that's in the past tense. The truth is that whether our lives have gone sideways or whether we enjoy great comforts, God's expectation of us from the greatest to the least is equal. It's always the same to submit to doing his will. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said it this way, as plainly as could be said, throwing out all the idea of my comforts or concerns with a focus on just what is expected. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Tonight, we have a call to do the will of God. We have a call to submit ourselves, all that we are and all that we have in service to him. If you've made that commitment in obedience to the gospel, then this is not news to you. I pray that the commitment is as strong now as it's ever been. And if that's true, then that you will relish the idea of doing the will of God. If for some reason you've stumbled or maybe you've let your own will creep in place of it, today I, I would... I would encourage you to repent. If you're not a child of God, then today presents you a choice. Do I keep going the way I'm going? Or do I look for a remedy? The remedy to life's ills is Jesus. Tonight, if you believe He's the Son of God, you're ready to wash your sins away in that blood. Confess your faith in Him that He's the Son of God. Repent of your sins. Be buried in water to have your sins washed away and rise up in newness of life. If there's anyone tonight who needs to respond for any reason at all, now's the time to do it. Why don't you come if you need to while we stand and sing together. (laughs)
1: We thank you for the opportunity to come to your house tonight and just uh, worship you. May we do it in spirit and truth. We pray that you'll just be with us as we go through the rest of this week. And uh, may we apply the lesson we learned here tonight, uh, that we let thy will be done and in our lesson about pride. May we be uh, in control of our pride and just... uh, use you as an example to uh, not be prideful, just to uh, be humble in your sight. We pray that you'll just give us a safe trip home. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.